0: CRO, SEO, how do they fit together? Why should you do your CRO first? Plus, lots of SEO tips and lots of CRO tips and lots of other really, really awesome tips coming up in this episode.
1: You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits.
0: Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast. And if you're not familiar with our format, each month we do a masterclass on a different marketing method, could be email, SEO, Facebook ads, etc. And each week I interview a different marketing method expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. This month is all about SEO, search engine optimization. And in today's episode, we're looking at how Actually, you should do your conversion rate optimization before you do your SEO, which is a little bit of a clickbaity headline, but is completely true, as you will find out as you hear me chat with the awesome Luke Carthy, who's, I think this is one, he's one of our most prolific guests, possibly our most a featured person ever on this show because he always brings amazing advice. Prepare for a huge list of tools to go and test. Prepare for some amazing conversion rate optimization advice that you probably haven't heard anywhere else. And of course, lots of great juicy SEO tips. And we're going to talk a little bit about Google Analytics 4, and he's got some really clear advice on what to do about all of that as well. This is an awesome episode. I had a lot of fun recording it. You are going to get a lot of good advice out of it. We're going to meet Luke in a second, but before we do, please check out our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the email and SMS platform built just for e commerce brands. If you're marketing an e commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Clavio comes in. Its top notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O ocom masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with SEO expert Luke Carthy. Luke started his e-commerce career client side, then after being invited to speak at MozCon, oh yes, he decided to go it alone. And he now spends his days helping his clients deliver sustainable e-commerce growth with SEO and conversion rate optimization. Hello, Luke.
1: Hey, Chloe. That's uh, an epic intro as always. Oh, I've so looks after here. It's wonderful. <laughs>
0: It's lovely to be chatting with you again. I feel like we've we've missed you on the show. So it's great to have you back. And we're finally talking about what you've always wanted to talk to me about, which is where CRO meets SEO. So everyone, that's where conversion rate optimization meets search engine optimization. Um, so I invited you on because you wrote and shared on LinkedIn a brilliant blog post about why we should do conversion rate optimization before we approach our SEO. So why should we be doing conversion rate optimization first?
1: Yeah, so um for me, I like to use a bit of an analogy in terms of like a market store, right? So um the point is if the product that you're selling or the, the market stall that you have, the way it's merchandised, or the people that are selling the products aren't working as effectively as possible, you're gonna have to work X times harder to achieve the same amount of sales, right? So My thinking here is when you think about SEO, you think about direct traffic, social, all your channels combined, if you're not converting well, you're going to have to put in X amount more effort in order to convert at a healthy rate or achieve your goals. Also, selfishly as well, when I was in-house, in order to kind of win and ring fence my SEO budget or whatever the budget is that I wanted to go and spend some cash on, CRO was the way in which I, it was the catalyst. Um, So I'd go away, do some analysis, see where the gaps are, fix those gaps. And a lot of people um, wrongly, but we use it to our advantage here, but wrongly put CRO into the bucket of SEO. So any wins you get from conversion are normally kind of fenced into SEO. So my point here is if you're winning via CRO, via tweaks, optimizations, you can get done relatively quickly. People are like, great, do more of it. How much money do you need? You then get the budget and then you can go and invest that in whatever that is, whether that's email or SEO, whatever that is. But I think secondly, to touch on that as well, is that SEO is, as much as SEO is going to hate me for saying this, it's very much a guessing game, right? There's no guarantees, it's best estimates, it's best practice, but we cannot directly control how the search engines will influence one site or another. We have indicators, we work towards them, we've got a pretty good idea, but no guarantees. My point here is you do have within the remit of what you have control of in a workplace or as an agency, um, you do have a lot more control and influence over a client or your own website. And that's why typically CRO is easier and faster, relatively speaking, to get over the line and implement it sooner than you know trying to get search engines to understand the rankings and things you've made. So that is, I guess, a, a brief introduction as to why I highly recommend CRO before you kick off SEO initiatives.
0: I love it. So it's both kind of the practicality of you're in control. So what you spend, you've got a much better idea of where and when and how you're going to get your results back. Unlike the search engines, you've got the the cunning sly tip there of how to get more money out of the budget holders, which marketers need all of those you can get, guys. We have <laughs> to play the budget grabbing game um, yeah. and more tangible benefits than then. Reallocate as you as you see fit within that marketing budget. I love that one, and obviously, the more we improve, you know, you said about CRO gains often get allocated to SEO. I guess that's generally because a lot of the sales in an e-commerce store are the SEO sales. So when the conversion rate goes up, you see the SEO sales just naturally rising, which I think is a point that often gets missed. Is if you spend. I know, a thousand pounds on improving your conversion rate optimization—it improves all your other marketing methods
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. So you you want to make sure you're converting relatively well before you start spending on other things because it just improves the ROI of everything you're doing.
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly that. Um, so I guess to, to kind of bring it to life, and, an example I guess I use for clients is uh, you know if you're converting at one percent, um, you've got to need a hundred visitors to to get sale. Um, if you're converting at 2%, you need half the amount to make the same amount of money. So that's a 50% improvement in efficiency, if you like. And I know it's a really simplified term. It's a lot more complicated than that. And getting from 1% to 2% is not easy. But, you know, why would you not invest in that? What is the point investing in SEO and delivering a 100% increase in traffic, which would be wonderful if you can achieve that? I mean, it's, it's not realistic, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, brilliant. And not make it twice as effective in addition to making your other channels potentially up to twice as effective as well. It just doesn't make any sense. And sometimes, you know, there are some unicorn kind of CRO bits and pieces you can do, some gaping holes that you can find. And even sometimes it's not really a problem. It's just, a, a you know, you're not fixing a problem necessarily, you're making something better. Uh, and that really has a, a, a direct impact. I think the last thing to probably touch on as well, as to why I really press it home on, on optimizing CRO first is, search engines are getting better at ranking websites that have better experiences. Mm -hmm. So if you are investing in your journey, and by that I mean, yes, site speed, which you could argue bridges SEO and CRO, but they're both, you know, your customers are going to react to how fast your site is. But if you make your website easy to use, yes, your customers are happier. If your customers are happier and they're spending more time on site and they're bouncing less, then the search engines will reward you for it on on a greater scale. So you are kind of... Almost by proxy, doing SEO um, as a result of doing some CRO. So it really is win-win. There's not many cases I can put forward where CRO is a bad idea to start with. You know,
0: they are considerably more overlapping and part of. You know, I guess we. I I often say that. SEO now overlaps with PR, now overlaps with partnerships, now overlaps with influence, now overlaps with so many and content strategies and all the rest of it. SEO actually also quite heavily now overlaps with CRO because of how the search engines are trying to send their customers, their searchers to good destinations, not just for the content, but for the experience as well. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's a less sly use of budget than I was thinking earlier. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's. I guess you, what you don't want to do is outright lie to your stakeholders, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, if you can if you can twist the truth a little bit, and make the numbers look a little bit more attractive, um, then why not? And um, equally, you could almost just argue it's your it's your prep, it's your pre work, your primer, if you like, for any SEO institutes we do. But yeah, you know, the, the 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 honest conversation is: if it affects all your channels and you're changing one thing, why would you not do that first before changing one thing? Instead, because obviously with SEO you're only affecting one channel, CRO, as you mentioned already, Club, you're, you're touching on all of your channels. So.
0: It's that old adage, isn't it, of the of comparing the website to a leaky bucket and you can run around filling up your leaky bucket from the well or you can fix the holes in your bucket and only have to make considerably fewer trips to the well because we really needed another analogy in there. Um, <laughs> so um, you've mentioned, Luke, about, you know, there's there's often some quick wins on this. So what are the quick, easy wins for filling some of the biggest holes in our bucket?
1: Yeah. Um, so one of the first ones I always go to, because it could be doing scale with the right tools. And when I say the right tools, I'm not going to be like, you know, or follow this information to get that. I'll just tell you what it is. Um, but I use either SiteBall, uh, shout out to those guys, or Screaming Frog, or any of your favorite SEO tool, SEO crawling tool.
0: So i got thinking, Screaming Frog. What was the first one?
1: Uh, SiteBall, S-I-T-E, bulb. And the way I like to look at SiteBulb and Screaming Frog, and they'll hate the comparatives because they are literally in the same space. I think SiteBall is I wouldn't say necessarily easier to use, but it's got a prettier user interface. It's slightly like more interactive. You can do more with it without necessarily having to be as technically advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and Screaming Frog is like bare bones, not bare bones, but the UI isn't as necessarily as, as pretty, as attractive, but it's also a hugely powerful tool. Also, their pricing models are very different depending on what it is and what you use. But point is, I love those tools. And what I do is I scrape the entire site to identify categories that have zero products in or categories that have a very small number of products. And a very small number of products is relative depending on the size of the retailer. So that could be one, it could be 10, depends on it is. But what I then do is combine that with the amount of traffic, whether that's organic or, or uh, global traffic from all sources, to identify how many people are actually going to these empty categories or, or kind of barren categories, if you like. What you can then do then is either repopulate those products or repopulate those categories to the right products or move those categories around or redirect them elsewhere. So that is a perfect blend, if you like, 50% CRO because you want to make sure you're sending customers to the right categories and 50% SEO where you're cleaning up and repurposing some of the equity where you've got you know SEO juice effectively elsewhere. So that's one of the first things. And most e-commerce clients will have a CMS of some sort, whether that's Shopify, Magento, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, that's a fairly quick, relatively speaking, win you can get to, to, to start to demonstrate value in the CRO.
0: I think that was a lot less techie than a lot of people were assuming a quick CRO fix would be. But literally, we're talking about cleaning up pages that shouldn't be on the website anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's one I always go in with the door with because I can almost always guarantee I'm going to find some of them. There might be two, three, four. There might be a couple hundred. It really just depends on the size of the project. So the reason why I mentioned that one first is because it's the easiest one. Anyone can get access to it. And I guess we'll work into, into more complicated things. But the next one really is analyzing the, the, the category page itself as a, as a collective, as a template rather than specific categories. And just seeing, first of all, I like to think of the the, the ranking rules on the category pages. So are we seeing a lot of out products on the first row? Um, are they relevant to the category? Uh, maybe we can even do some price competitive assessment to see if, if the pricing's on point, if that's a sensitive area, depending on the, the retailer. The filters, are they relevant? Are they helpful? Are there enough of them? So to give you an example, I've worked in the past for a, uh, a mountain biking retailer, which will remain unknown. Um, but my point here is that their filters were terrible. They had the typical out of the box Shopify filters, so price, stock, brand, and that's it. But when you've got like four hundred men's mountain bikes to choose from and then another four or five hundred kids and, and women's mountain bikes to choose from, you want to filter by things like size. I've sent brand already, but size, you know, application, um, maybe frame material, what it's for, was it road, mountain bike? So it's again, they're still relatively simple things to do or to find, but then to implement them could be a six month project, a dev resource you need to go and tap into it. But that's what I love to do because your category pages are your typically your single biggest template for acquiring traffic across an e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. You can argue the homepage is still number one, but normally uh, fighting for first place is your category templates and your homepage. So if you can get up, you know, if you can fix and clean up your category pages collectively with a template, you're going to be in a, in a much better space from a, a CRO perspective.
0: And talking category pages, which I realize this is going to stray slightly into the world, or quite entirely into the world of SEO, actually, but as we're talking category page templates, should we be having descriptions on category pages?
1: Yes. <laughs> 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 there we go. Next question. Um, yeah, the, you absolutely should, but is it imperative? Not necessarily. So, you are not going to have a category that is X times more likely to rank as a result of having content on it. But again, the horrible cliche, it depends. But it always helps to have uh, content on categories. And if anyone's kind of curious as to the content uh, that you should have on category pages, they should be naturally specific to the category you're on. But also, more importantly, if you can think of key questions that people would ask, respecting to that category. Perfect. So if you're in a subcategory of, we'll stick with mountain in for a moment. So let's say you're in actually the mountain bike's category of a bike retailer. Mm-hmm. How do you choose a mountain bike? Hardtail or full suspension? Uh, how often do you need to service blah, 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 blah. So just the key questions that you'd find or key purchase-based questions that people would ask when they're in that specific category. But it's got to be worthwhile content. There's no point just spinning stuff up. So if you're going to put crappy content there, don't bother. Just leave it blank. It's better to have, in my opinion, no content than poor quality content. So if do it properly, or just leave it alone.
0: So make sure the template's got the ability to add an opening paragraph, but only bother writing that opening paragraph if you're going to write it from a CRO perspective rather than an SEO perspective. So is this content yeah. useful to our audience?
1: I'd tell you a perfect example of where CRO and SEO meets here, because SEO would be where the, co- what the copy is, potentially, the framework for the copy, what keywords to include. The CRO would be where that copy sits because you don't want it so high on the page, especially on mobile where you've everything squeezed uh, yeah. horizontally. So you don't want it to dominate the page, but equally, you don't want it in a place where it's invisible to see necessarily. So, you know, this is where you think about accordions or moving to the bottom of the page. But I'd also say you mentioned there about a paragraph. I would normally, there's, there's no real rules on length. But if you're writing content that's worthwhile, especially for a parent category, and you if you're answering three or you know three to five core questions, it's probably gonna be longer than a paragraph typically that you'd need to write. But actually, talking about the world of categories, a CRO question to have is: should it be a list of products? So should it be a, a PLP template, or actually should it be a what I like to call a, a department page, which is a merchandised landing page, which allows the user to go away and, and drill down into that particular category in more detail. So to give you a particular example of this, there's a, a retailer in the UK uh, called Euronics, which are kind of like a, I don't know, I think they're family owned. They're relatively small by comparison to Currys, but they sell TVs just like Currys do. But on Euronics, you have a TVs category with 200X products in, just on a regular category page. While couriers, AO.com, everybody else will have a full department page, which allows people to first, before they see any products, choose a brand, shop by size, shop by technology. And that is probably a perfect example of where SEO and CRO start to come together, because you're thinking about how you can help the shopper and how do you build an experience before you think about even optimizing that particular page.
0: Excellent. Okay, so there's some tips, everyone, on CROing, easy CRO improvements to make. Um, and we gave you some SEO tips in there as well. And I figured we could kind of we could drill down Luke's list to probably be number 20, but what we started off by talking about is that you should do CRO first. So the obvious question from that is, should we do or, or for how long do we do CRO first? And do we do CRO to the exclusion of all SEO first?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So I guess I'll, I'll answer them back to front. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I, I did say... a
0: terrible job and asked you two questions in one. In that case
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. I might forget the, the the other question by the time I get to the end of this one. But I would say, in a perfect world, do both at the same time. But even if you can do both at the same time, depending on the amount of CR or work you have to do, you could end up repeating yourself. So, for example, let's say you've got a category page, you, you write this example we had before. You've got a category page loaded with loads of products and someone in the, you know, whether you're in the same team or me as a consultant will look at that and think, right, I'm going to go and optimize that. But equally, I'm going to go and do some CRL on that. So the CRO side of me will say, well, that page is isn't effective. We need to actually rebuild that into a, um, a department landing page. But the SEO side of me has gone away and written content for it. I've optimised a number of things. I've built links to that particular page. So sometimes you can actually be in a situation by by doing both things at the same time. You end up having to repeat work and things take longer. So what I probably would say is, it makes sense to do an audit first, where you look at both things, and then the things that you can do simultaneously. So you might want to do, say for example, SEO on a product page, and then maybe CRO on the homepage or something like that. I'm I'm simplifying it massively. But in a perfect world, you do both at the same time. But in reality, when you try and do that, um, because they're so quite closely knit, you get into a situation where actually you can end up repeating work. Um, I,
0: I guess it's like your Euronics Currys example with the TVs if the decision from us, from a CRO perspective is we need to not just list 500 tellies here, we need to create a merchandised shoppable sales page that helps the customer on their journey. You, you'd be mad not to take SEO principles in play as you build that page with what the URL is going to be, what where the keywords are going to be, titles and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it's, and if you completely ignored SEO, you'd do a worse job with the CRO at the same time. So yeah. So we... Yeah. So we're not going, stop all SEO, work on CRO only, which I guess partly answers the very first question I asked, which was at what point do we switch back to SEO? Which is never, we just, it's like the seesaw slowly shifts or the focus slowly moves away from the CRO opportunities being the quickest wins to the SEO ones being the the better options to spend the budget on
1: yeah yeah exactly i mean i'll I'll give you a perfect example of this actually a project i'm working on at the moment where i have a client that has two separate product pages and they're both identical products they're just different pack sizes but they have two different urls so the seo side of me is like right okay merge those together create one uh, product page with variation options and that sort of good stuff which is perfect but this, there's, a, there's a very distinct reason why they've done that, which I could take forever to explain it, which is not necessarily important. But the CRO point of, uh, part of it, there's a very good reason for why they've done it. So the SEO would go away and do that first, and then the CRO is kind of left flagging behind. So it, it really just, there's got to be cases where there's for and against doing either. But what I would say to also maybe tap into the point you made a little while ago, it's a constantly evolving cycle. So, I would say, even though I, I start uh, the, the post I've written and I advise start with CRO and then go to SEO, it's not then be it a situation where you're permanently on SEO and you don't then switch back. It's a constant evolution because, you know, if you're in a situation where a year from now, whatever that is, your traffic is now exponentially higher than it was before because of your investments in SEO, great. But then you might have a new audience. You might then have an opportunity to improve that page even further because now it's a, it's a stronger page than it was before. You can now use that page to think about feeding the authority across the other parts of the site, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: But the thing is, even if you have if you've grown your traffic that much, it will have moved. It will have highlighted other CRO problems. Just simply, due there's more data coming through, so things which previously were a would have been a marginal gain because of the increased volumes are now a, a gain. It's worth spending the money on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there is one thing I don't know what it is that you just said that made me think of it, but uh, A/B testing is almost the nemesis of SEO as well at times because um, I guess a, a good amount of CRO is, is testing things to make sure that your hypotheses and everything else, as good and as data fed as they are, they actually are making a positive difference. But a lot of A/B uh, testing platforms, and I'm going to set I'm going to set off a lot of CRO tools now, but um, they slow things down. Um, they can make it tricky to understand how Google and other search engines are going to interpret that content. They're adding more JavaScript. You know, there's a lot of kind of things that CRO is unsympathetic towards in terms of SEO. So again, there's a finesse and a balance there. I guess what we've basically agreed is we've put CRO and SEO in a blender. We've mixed it up and just say deal with it. Spicy one. <laughs> <What does that laughs> I was going
0: to say balance, balance, balance <laughs> and constantly keep rebalancing. But yeah, um, thanks. Luke. That has been brilliant. We are now going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors and then we're going to talk about the whole wide world of SEO. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the email and SMS platform built just for e commerce brands. If you're marketing an e commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Clavio comes in. Its top notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real time data from your online. Online store and tech stack. Request a demo at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K L A V I Y O.com slash masterplan. Okay, Luke, so far we've gone deep into why we should invest in CRO before SEO or actually at the same time. Um, now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole world of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which does of course include everything we've already been talking about. So Luke, are you ready for the insider tips?
1: Yeah, I'm savvy.
0: Excellent. Let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success?
1: In the space of SEO specifically, I am going to say, have your uh, faceted navigation under control from day dot. If you're on Shopify, this will not apply to you, which I guess wipes out 50% of people who are listening maybe. But um, yeah, if you few things like WooCommerce or Magento, Um, or any other kind of tech stack platform, your fasted navigation, you can live and you can die by. So just get it nailed. More importantly than that, actually, I'll give you a second piece of of information that I'd advise is properly plan out your category structure, um, your taxonomy, because the way I like to, again, another analogy, I love to akin category structure on a website to supermarket layout, um, which is if you get it wrong, it's a real pain in the backside to change it around. You've got to move aisles around, move actual physical bits of hardware. Get it right in the beginning, and it will pay you dividends later on for when you expand, grow, add new brands. So, really think about it, plan it out, whether it's uh, you know on paper or in a mind map or whatever, but just really plan out how your category structure will work and how your subcategories feed into your parent categories.
0: Love it. And if you are think, listening, thinking, ooh, faceted nav, big opportunity, we should do something on that. Um. Our uh, interview with Luke as part of last year's SEO uh, masterclass, episode number 50, was entirely about faceted nav. So if you like Luke's approach and you want to know more about faceted nav, when you finish this episode, scroll back up to episode 50 and, uh, and your wishes will be fulfilled. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, question two then. Once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance?
1: I think my favorite way to improve performance is probably one of the most unused resources that I normally see uh, that clients often have, but rarely brush the dust off, is things like Hotjar, mass Flow, the session replay and heat mapping tools. And there's a simple reason for it. It can take a lot of time. So you feel a bit like a CCTV operator, we've got to sit there and watch thousands of sessions till we find a problem. And then you've got to write a ticket and get it submitted and everything else. But with things like custom tags and everything else, you can massively be a lot more efficient in your attack to look at uh how that behaves. But the, the biggest thing I would probably say to keep optimizing is if you could do one filter in Hotjar, Flow, Lucky Orange, Crazy Egg, whatever platform you use, they've all got horrendous names in my opinion, is uh rage clicks. Just one kind of I'm kind of bridging into CRO now a little bit, but rage clicks. Just look for rage clicks because. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example, again, for a client of mine. People were frantically clicking the review stars on a product page because it was underlined. It was like a hyperlink. They were just smashing it because they wanted it to do something, show me the reviews. It didn't want. So we fixed it. And, of course, conversion improved. It's not an SEO tip. So I apologize. I've answered the wrong no, no
0: it, It's but, good, though. It's, so I was, was going to ask you what rage clicks are, but literally it's someone angrily clicking on something. Simple yeah, as that.
1: Yeah, we all do it, whether it's – You know, TV remote, whether it's our phones, uh, mouse tap, whatever it is, mouse click, uh, phone tap. But, yeah, rage clicks is probably one of the biggest ways to filter out frustrations or highlight unexpected behaviors. And that can then begin to feed your CRO analysis. A lot of platforms out of the box do it. Hotjar do it, I think, on their standard plan uh, mouse Flow does it at the bottom. Basically, I work with a lot of these things. I um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Any questions yeah. on uh, on CRO or SEO tools, <laughs> send them to Luke. Um, I, I love that, though, because I always think the the likes of those tools, they're a bit like Google Analytics in that people install them yeah, and then they don't look at them because you start looking at them. Then you end up spending three hours looking at them and you don't actually learn anything. And I love that you've given us a little nugget to actually make use of this tool that we've all got installed. Um, Right. If someone listening wants to learn more about SEO, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend?
1: It's on today, actually, which won't won't really be at when you put this recording out, but Brighton SEO, just massive. Um, In terms of a free slash low cost resource, I would highly recommend the Traffic Think Tank, if anyone has, has ever heard of it. It's It's a little. I say it's not necessarily cheap, but it's a one-off annual thing. I think it's like three, four hundred dollars a year. But you will have access to lots of people who are on the same level as you if you're in the beginning. But you've got in touch with lots of experts, loads of content, resources, Q and A sessions. It's wonderful. I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a member, and I think it's a great community. So that's what I recommend people tap into. Traffic Think Tank.
0: Nice. Like, so we've got Traffic Think Tank for all your online needs and then Brighton SEO, which da- nowadays does both online and offline content and is it's where it's at in the SEO yeah. world these days. Okay, nice recommendations. Um, finally, Luke, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for?
1: Yeah, do you know what? If you'd have asked me this question two weeks ago, I'd have said one-click checkout. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the news, right, uh, about fast payments. So fast payments, which is Oh, yes. Yeah, they've kind of, kind of bumped, haven't they? They've gone under. Um, I still think there's going to be a lot of disruption in the payment space. It's just who's going to do it. I would imagine it's going to be Bolt Commerce, who's kind of second, mm-hmm. now first in, in line. Um, and the reason why I say that is I think headless commerce is a thing that's been bubbling around for a while, I guess a bit like NFTs, but they've not really kind of gone anywhere where they've become commercial. But I think we will get to a place where people can actually transact without actually having to touch an e-commerce store. Um, and actually... We're heading there quite I think, fast, I think, aren't we? Yeah, Shopify, I forget what it's called, but, you know, like the Linktree things that you get on Twitter and LinkedIn and people point to yeah. it? Shopify just launched those, but you can actually buy from a retailer without actually having to go to their store and do it all within the Linktree snippet, effectively. Um, which is
0: really cool. Yes. And the the stats I've seen are that consumers like to buy wherever they're having fun. They don't necessarily want to have to come all the way to our website because it's a really long walk. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're, just,
1: we're just lazy, aren't we? We're so
0: lazy. I mean, I've got to click to your website. Can't I do it here? It's too much effort. Um, yes, but I, I agree. I think that's... Um, Payments is a really interesting space and where people buy is one to screw with anybody's brain right now. So one to watch everybody. And I'm going to ask you something crystal ball wise, Luke, which is GA4, Google Analytics 4. For anyone who doesn't know, basically Google are creating their own cookie apocalypse as per Facebook's caused by Apple last year, but Google are doing it to themselves. And so they've put in place the tools and the resources to save you from the cookie apocalypse. But it means quite a few changes, and the whole thing ends at some point in 2023, and there is GA4 to put in place right now. Personally, I hate it. Um, I keep It's like banging my head against a wall trying (laughs) to get the data I want out of it. Um, That's the background. Luke, what should people be doing with websites right now as a result of all this huge amount of noise and stuff that Google's announced?
1: There's two, potentially three quick answers to this. One is, pretend nothing happened and panic when it goes down, which is probably what 90% of people will do. Don't um, do that. Don't do that, but let's be real. That's how it's going to go, Chloe. We'll be having a conversation oh, yes. in a year's time. Yeah. Uh,
0: and <laughs> I'm already ready for you know just seeing either the Google Trends graph or <laughs> the amount of my LinkedIn uh, feed, which is taken over by people going, have you changed to Google Analytics 4? Yeah, At some point last yeah, year, yeah. next year, followed by... A week after it going, my analytics has died. <laughs> 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 Where did the data it's, go?
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, really, what you should be doing right now is one of two things: which is, one, measuring your data in both Google Analytics three, Universal Analytics, whatever you want to call it, and GA four simultaneously. And the reason why I say that is because most people won't really want to look at GA four until they have to. But at least you will have a year's amount of data, or year-ish amount of data until. The dreaded Armageddon date of whatever it was. I think it's in July, isn't it? Yeah. I think uh, it is. Where GA three is switched off, and then at least you've got a year of historic data to to, to muck about in. Um, alternatively, use something else. Like, <gasps> you know, so b- 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 what? <laughs> yeah, just just use. It. My point here is Google Analytics is a free tool, right? So. There's no oblig- I mean, there is, because it's Google, they have a bit of an obligation to look after you as a user, but really they don't have to. There's nothing in writing. It's not a hard rule. So if you don't like it, go somewhere else. That's literally what killed Blockbuster. Everyone um, <laughs> was like, "They just went to Netflix. So my point is, there's a really good alternative out there um, called plausible. And I've got to be honest, I can't endorse it too early because I haven't played around with it too much, but their blurb and their, their kind of audience and what they're going after, it's basically A alternative to uh, Google Analytics, but it's easier to use, a bit like the original vanilla uh, Google Analytics, and it's completely um, sympathetic to the cookie law and GDPR. You don't need to have plausible analytics. You don't need to have an accepted, it basically falls outside of that remit, but it is paid for. I think that's the challenge with a lot of these tools is that if you don't use Google Analytics, which is free, you're going to have to pay some money. Um, but Clause got is fair. I'm not going to mention their pricing because I'm sure say, as soon as I say it, they'll change it. But it's you know it's single to double digits a month. It's it's not you know it's not expensive. So that's your alternative. Just go with a paid off-the-shelf solution.
0: So we're saying first off, co-install your current Google Analytics with GA4. Probably whatever you're planning on doing, because then you've got that ready if you decide you don't want to go down the paid option with somebody else. And then. Why not add into your mix of things to consider for for your strategy using an alternative option like Plausible?
1: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, lastly, a bit of a shameless plug. So, if you do want to understand how to measure Google Analytics 3 and GA4 simultaneously without having to reintegrate everything, I've done a video uh, in my newsletter um, which explains that in some great detail. And that's specifically for e-commerce as well. So, you can run e-commerce tracking in GA3 and GA4 with only using Google Tag Manager.
0: Luke, send me the link to that and we will add it in the show notes for this episode so you can all go and look at that because that sounds like it's going to be well worth having a watch of Um, uh, and I will be watching it when I finally get around to putting my GA4 tags in place. Um, Well, no, no, no. I'm just It's on my post-summit list, but this episode's going out after the summit. So hopefully by the time everyone hears this, I will have actually already put my GA4 in place. I won't have looked at it because I hate it. But
1: yes. um, at least we track it.
0: I will at least have the data being gathered. Um, Luke, that's been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, how can the listeners get in contact with you if they want to get you involved in their CRO and SEO problems? If they want your help, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, just give me a Google, basically. I don't think there's too many of me knocking around. So uh, Luke Carthy, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Mr. Luke Carthy, uh, LinkedIn, all that sort of good stuff. But yeah, you can find me there and you can have a chat and everything else.
0: Marvelous, thank you very not, much, sir.
1: Just, just to be clear, I'm not here for free chats. Like, I'm happy to talk about. it. I've just made it sound like I'm a therapist. Like, yeah, <laughs> you chat, you just know, sit
0: around, talking SEO for free all day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do have to pay bills, unfortunately, and gas is one of them. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but very Luke's very happy to have you get in contact uh, with your with your things, but he may well say. We're reaching the point where you're going to have to pay me something, which is only fair. (laughs) Um, Luke, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been lovely catching up with you again. And you've, as per usual, shared a huge pile of useful information with us. So thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Wowzer. As always, loads of great stuff there from Luke. I know he mentioned a whole load of different tools. We will put links to all of those in the show notes for you that you can get those at keepoptimizing.com. He also mentioned PLP, which I didn't quite manage to jump in quick enough and explain. That's a product listing page. So Literally, he was talking about your category pages either being a long old list of products or being that more sales-focused, categorized, merchandised page that redirects people to the right places and helps along the buying journey. <sighs> so there you go. SEO, not turn it off and do CRO instead, but make sure you are balancing between the two because they're all helping you get to the same end. And of course, if we can fix those obvious holes in the bucket, then all our marketing works better, which is a great way to be spending your time and effort at the moment as we go into this this interesting year of e-commerce as uh, as all our costs are going up and all the rest of it. Right. You can get those links to all that we discussed, the full transcript, notes, and more at keepoptimizing.com. Click on the um, all episodes link and you'll find this one. There, you can also sign up to our monthly Q&A webinar because yes, as part of our mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our SEO specialists to join us for a live Q&A session. It's going to be your chance to get your questions answered. So again, just head to keepoptimizing.com and click on the webinar link to get signed up for that. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. Our whole set of episodes about SEO is now live for this year. So please do have a listen to them all. What? You say? But there's only been three and there's still a Wednesday left this month. Yes. Next episode is number 100. Yes. 100 episodes. So we are going to be doing something a little different so make sure you tune in next Wednesday to find out what that something a little different is. And then make sure you tune in the following Wednesday when with episode 101, we will be starting our series of five shows about Facebook ads. Yes, it's the month of masterclasses that you have been waiting for. So make sure you subscribe to us or following us on your podcast favorite player app. That made sense in some order. Um, then you won't miss out on any of it. And if you know someone who's particularly interested in improving their e-commerce marketing at the moment, then please do let them know we're covering these key topics because this show exists to help you and them improve all your marketing. Have an excellent week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing.
1: Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.